Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. So, makes me think of how I've told people before, if you, if you think, gosh, we just don't see miracles anymore, stop using credit cards. We don't <laughs> if you think we don't see miracles anymore, I said stop using credit cards. Because that puts you in, I mean, yes, if you're responsible and you know can pay it off every month and you're earning points or whatever, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about you know going into debt for the things that we think we need. Um, and we, we didn't have any credit cards at all for, gosh, 14 years, 15 years. You want to see some miracles? <laughs> Something breaks and you go, Lord, I guess it's your problem. <laughs> and, and interestingly, he brought us far better than we would have thought we could afford on our credit prior to that. So it was very interesting, but the key being you're, you're looking for refuge and protection, not in God, but in someone or something else. And their plan is to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction. So if you ask God and he says, go to Egypt, then you'll have a blessed trip and it will be all, you know, it'll be for good. And, and you can trust that he's taking care of whatever happens. But here he says, you know, you came up with this plan on your own. You, you think Pharaoh's going to rescue you. Therefore, shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame? And the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation. And you would think that the people would know not to look to Egypt for their rescue because that's where God brought them out. I mean, not this generation. We're several generations down now. But for though his officials are at Zoan and his envoys reach Hanes, everyone comes to shame through a people that cannot profit them. That brings neither help nor profit, but shame and disgrace. So if people, if you're looking for help from someone who can't help you, then that lack of help brings shame and disgrace. An oracle on the beasts of the Negev, through a land of trouble and anguish, from where come the lioness and the lion, the adder and the flying fiery serpent, they carry their riches on the backs of donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camels to a people that cannot profit them. Egypt's help is worthless and empty. Therefore, I have called her Rahab who sits still. So what did Rahab who didn't sit still do? <laughs> She stepped out in faith and helped and protected them and, and, you know, gave them the warning about what was coming and saved her whole family when she did it. All I could think is how someone just twisted. Oh, having taught you something. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I can just see. Oh, yeah. Twisted oh, yeah. But Egypt, know. Egypt is worthless and empty. Egypt is Rahab who sits still. Someone who could step in and help you, but isn't going to. Oh, yeah. 7B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the comma. Yeah. And this is, a, but this is an oracle on the beasts of Negev. So Egypt's help is worthless and empty. You know, you're looking to something, you're looking to them in vain. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will again choose Israel and will set them in their own land. And sojourners will join them. So, so this, this whole idea is if when they go down to Egypt, it's going to be to their shame because they're looking to Pharaoh who can't help them instead of to God who could. But the Lord, so it's not, it's not, um, and it, it always ends up getting twisted and taught like a, like a threat and a punishment. Oh, you want to ask Pharaoh instead of me? Well, I'm going to bring that to nothing. When really he's just saying you're looking to someone who can't help you. 
And so this is how it's going to happen. But then he also comes in and says that he will have compassion on Jacob and will again choose Israel and will set them in their own land. And sojourners will join them and will attach themselves to the house of Jacob. And the people will take them and bring them to their... Oh, no! Good Lord, that is Isaiah 14 again. I swear to you, I deleted them completely. Deleted them. Deleted every bit of on-screen content. I know, it always seems to fit. I think these guys trying to call it something. That's what we've said every week. Why are you... Are you okay? Yeah. You're moving weird. I'm sore. My back's really weird. Okay. You're moving really weird. Okay. Um, so no, we're gonna. I don't know why it's doing that. I don't know why it's doing that. I know it does. It, yeah. But Rahab who sits still. So let's go and make it actually make more sense. You guys got to look at the bottom there for every time because I don't know why it's doing that. A rebellious people. But it's hard to stop you because it's... I know, and the Lord is going to do that, but we've got some more stuff to go through. And now go, write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that they may be for the time to come as a witness forever. So God's telling Isaiah, write this down now because at some point people need to be able to see that I warned about this, that it's not you coming in after and saying... Oh, I knew God was going to do that. You know, it, that it's that you were told before and that it was delivered before. For they are a rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. And I think I think we all know people like that. They say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Like the king who said, oh, I don't like going to the prophet of the Lord. He always says bad things. Maybe that's a sign. I know. Well, and they go and he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to have victory. He's like, really? You never say anything good. No, you're totally going to die. And here's how. <laughs> but he's saying, no, give me a good prophecy. I want a good prophecy. You know, like you're paying extra to a fortune teller to give you a good prophecy. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and rely on them. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you like a breach in a high wall bulging out and about to collapse, whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. So, so think, you know, they've got a high wall protecting them, but it's pushing out. It's not going to hold in the sin. And when it, when it busts, it's going to just fall apart. And it's going to be that last brick that goes out. And its breaking is like that of a potter's vessel that is smashed so ruthlessly that among its fragments not a shard is found with which to take fire from the hearth or to dip up water out of the cistern. Okay, so... When I was in Chicago, and I, I don't know if I, I think I may have told you guys about this, but um, one of the places, no, 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 not that. No, one of the, I, I pulled a, at my sister-in-law's house, I pulled a glass out of the cupboard. And I thought it was a tall glass, but it was a short glass with another short glass stacked underneath it. And when I pulled it out, the first short glass fell. And... I know that you all, like me, have had glass, you know, that maybe hits and breaks or even sometimes hits and bounces before. And I tried to catch it. And I am telling you, that glass hit the counter. And it, it didn't break. It didn't shatter. It literally disintegrated into dust. I have crazy. I have never seen anything like it. And and that we were all 
jaw dropped going, because ah, it turned into dust and the dust went everywhere. What the heck? It, it, it was, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but it, it went, I think it was possibly more the hardness of her counter because <laughs> it was granite, but it was, I've dropped stuff on granite even. And it was like, this was, this was crazy. And I had to take off the, she has a gas stove, and I had to take off the, the iron grates that were over it and sweep out underneath. I had to take the paper towel dispenser and take the paper towels that were, like, they were standing up and, like, shake it out and take off the whole outer layer. We had to remove all the fruit from the fruit bowl and rinse the bowl out because it just had dust glass dust we had our leftover pizza which thankfully there is now a restaurant here that we can go get it um blue malnati's it was really delicious and they were so looking forward to their leftover pizza and just a a thin layer of glass dust oh my god in the sink in the corner on the floor on the other side of the room like i had to literally sweep the whole every surface under every surface, it was crazy. Like there were tiny, tiny little pieces that you could pick up with your finger if you were very careful because otherwise they would just go right into your finger. Oh my God. But it was mostly glass dust. And so, you know, among this vessel that is smashed so ruthlessly that among its fragments not a shard is found with which to take fire from the hearth or to dip up water out of the cistern. It's going to be completely useless. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. Okay, so think about this. Think about this for a second. In returning and rest you shall be saved. Oh, man, what a burden. What a burden, God asking us to do nothing and he'll take care of us. Man, being under the law, so oppressive. God, said, God says we have to rest. Who does he think he is? Telling us to rest. How dare he? We want to do stuff. We, and, and not just do stuff. I mean, rest doesn't mean like lay passive you know, and on a ventilator and, and pretend like you're not doing anything. Just, but just rest. Spend time with God and rest. Yes. That's me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, so often we look at these people and go, what is your problem? Uh, look at what he's asking you, but please. But that's my, I, that, yeah. you, could, you could put that on my, I don't know, let's say you get a job and you need daycare or something. You're like, oh. He blessed you with a job. You think he's going to bless you with daycare? Right, right. If he's providing it. It's like sit back, rest, see what he does, see how his hand moves. Well, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Uh, Just chill. Just chill. God says to you, just chill. He has to like, he has to like head shake and grace. He's like, oh, Tanya, you'll get there. Oh, I know, no. He's, he's done. (laughs) He's done that to me. He's like, this is. I know. God, God has God has great compassion and mercy for me. Yeah. He really does. <sighs> in return, but in returning, but this it makes me think of when people go, "Oh, so pre- being under the law." Yeah, it's so horrible that I've come to understand that God tells us in returning to Him and resting, we'll be saved. And and in quietness and trust will be our strength. Yeah, that's oppressive. Right. But you were unwilling. It's like okay. Yeah, and you said no. We will flee upon horses. Therefore, you yeah. Sometimes I wonder how often we are really like the toddler who's saying no, but it's really mean Jess and is trying really hard to say yes, but we're running away while we're saying it. So it really communicates no, and we really mean no, but our soul is going, Why are you doing this? You know, stop running. Therefore, you shall flee away. So, again, 
not a punishment. You're saying we don't want rest. We're going to flee upon horses. So, okay. You're going to flee away? Yeah, my says you refuse. You refuse. We will ride upon swift steeds. Yes. Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee. Do what? Oh, till you are like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain. The flagstaff is basically when they would. It's a beacon. The, well, and, and it's their, the, it's the pole that you put your flag in when, mm -hmm. when the mountain jurors. Yeah, kind of like they did on the moon. Yeah. You would flee until you were left like a beacon on the top of the moon. Just all out there. Yeah. Where, where, yeah, if you're at so the top, everybody can see you. <laughs> Somebody wants to aim an arrow, there you are, yeah. right in their shots. Yeah. There's your target. Yep, you will not be hidden. So a thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee. Till you are like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Hey, shoot us. We are out here. Mm -hmm. And look, look what's there. Daggone it. I don't know why it's doing that. That was Isaiah 14. Oh, yeah. Isaiah 14 stuck on the end there again. I it caught it, though. So, going to fit too. so the Lord will be gracious. I know it's going to kind of say the same thing. So 18 through 19. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Just let that sink in for a minute. Anybody who wants to say, see, God was punishing them by making their pursuers swift. No, their pursuers were already swift. They already had these challenges. These things were coming against them. God's not saying, oh, you're imagining the threat. He's saying, I knew it was coming. Why are you not willing to wait and let me handle it? Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. Whoa, why did it do that? Back up there. No, hang on. Well, we're almost to the end, but I don't know why it's... Proclaim quit unexpectedly. Okay. I don't know why proclaim quit unexpectedly. That was really weird. Hold on. We're going to get this back up. Bubbles? I'm blowing bubbles. Okay, it's loading. Okay, so. Uh, hold on. Boop. Okay. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Okay, and this again, remember when we realized in Zechariah that when it's saying to do justice is to love mercy. They're not two conflicting ideas or two coexisting ideas. We have this idea that justice means retribution and punishment and and in our court system, it usually does. But that is not what God's saying here. He is waiting to be gracious to you, and, and he's exalting himself to show mercy to you because he is the Lord of justice. He knows. He knows you can't do it on your own. You need him. You don't want to admit that. So go on. Go learn, go learn the hard way. Go do it however you think you need to do it. I'm waiting. He says, I'm waiting right here when you're ready to come and learn. When you, when you understand that it doesn't matter how fast your horses are, theirs are faster. Yeah. doesn't matter how far you run. There's nowhere you will go that you'll be safe except where I told you to be doing what I told you to do. But you didn't want to do that because it involved not fixing it yourself. It involved trusting him. Yeah, we do that a lot. 
We do that all the time. We don't even get it. Stop. Like, even as we're saying this, I know we're all going, and I know I'm not even getting how much I'm not getting this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knowing that I do that. Right. Right. Oh, I do it. Stop. There is no condemnation coming from this chair. There's, <laughs> I struggle with it. Yeah. I know when I started realizing, I mean, I, this is why I think, you know, the whole idea of the manna living, the when you are at the end of your own resources and you truly have to rely on God for your food every day and for how whatever's going to happen. You have to be able to just, you know, you learn to wait. But then, and you go, man, I'm getting this. I'm getting this like never before. But then the second your circumstances change, how easy it is to slip back into, oh, I'm We'll just go here and go there, and we'll do that. So, it says, For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. He's, he's, this picture, this is a strong picture to most modern thoughts. You know, it's it's a lot it's a lot easier to paint a strong, all powerful God who's gonna teach you your lesson and you're gonna. I mean, it's it it sells better to our modern world. The movies are more interesting. You know, right, right. Well, I mean, it's really better. Yeah, it's, it's a lot but easier to our modern Western world to sell the fact that he's chasing you with a stick. I mean, <laughs> that we go, oh, yeah, we deserve that. Oh, yeah. But that's not what God, God's ways are not our ways. And we need to not create him over into our image. Because God is waiting. He's waiting ready. And the second, well, hopefully. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's yeah, yeah I mean, it's. Mind, I, I just equate that with my kids when sometimes I'll feel like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and wait, wait. She and let you yeah, I'll let her. She kept telling me bye, but I already bye. But there are times where I'll wait and then something will happen and as soon as I hear them cry out. But the thing is, those are the moments they learn better than the moments that you're not. Yeah, because I've noticed that I'll be like, and they'll get home like, you know what? Because what that is? She's going to do this. And people think I'm crazy. Your child's over there. Look like she's going to stab her eye. She'll live. She'll live. You know, like, and then as soon as she does something or Mark or whoever, and they cry. I know. Well, no, but I mean. It's like I'll go to them, and there's been times where Mark's like, well, what we do, we do two things with children that are counterproductive. One is we interfere and try and block their learning. We think we're doing it for their sake, but really we are the ones preventing them. I mean, if there's a different, if a child's not actually developmentally ready to learn a lesson, you keep them safe. Well, yeah. You know, if the six month old <laughs> crawls over and grabs a, a knife, then you're like, you know, oh, she'll learn. No, you, you take the knife away. Right. Or if you see her, or if they have no depth perception and they're clearly right. off of like, or like three story bed. Right. Or, or like, yeah, you know, my sure. oldest who really, really knew at six months or nine months that he could walk like an adult down the stairs. No, you, you pick him up and you carry <laughs> him. That. <sighs> yes. That's why I didn't let him do it. Like, so, so we do that. And then when they are developmentally ready and they do have an experience, we feel the need to jump in with all our, I told you so's and piggyback on it and distract them from the lesson. And really, if we keep children safe until they're ready to learn a lesson and then let them learn it and keep our own mouth shut, except maybe some processing. So what did you learn from that? You know, can you tell or me what you figured out? Slide the wrong way and then he got hit by another kid. Yeah. And I was like, did you, I said, did you learn anything from this? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to go up the ladder. <laughs> the people coming down don't look out for me. <laughs> That's right. You know, so I teach them the rules. And then if they insist on 
doing it differently. Because the thing is, some kids, some kids actually aren't intended to learn that lesson. You know, when friends of, of particular children are like, she won't get off the table. She's going to fall. Is she? Because that kid has more balance than any kid I've ever known. What if you teach her to get down backwards and put a chair there? Oh, that might be better. You know, especially when I'm like, that or child birthed themselves. To, like, I think they'll handle the table. They'll yeah, figure it out. Or teach them how to come down the stairs like when Abriel yeah. was loving to go up the yeah. stairs when she was younger. And so finally I said, you know what? I'm just going to teach her to come down the stairs backwards. Yeah. Oh, no. Doors. But, yeah, mine refused. He was really? adamant at nine months old that he was going to take. So there, I had to get gates. Your brother. I'm recording. Yes. Your brother. But basically, I had to keep him safe until he was old enough to do. But I'll tell you what, he didn't crawl till almost 10 months. But two weeks later, he was walking. Wow. So he just, when he right. was ready to do stuff, he did it and he knew. And he wasn't going to waste his time with the baby stuff, you know? So, so this has got, he's waiting. And I think this also, this is, this is a big, uh, something else I want to kind of pull out of here. Very often, when we're struggling with something, let me paint this picture for you. We've run off to Egypt. Yes. And we're going, where's God in all this? Yeah. Why isn't God doing something? And God's like, because I told you I was staying over here. And you ran over there. I'm still over. I am waiting. I am waiting to be gracious to you. I, I've, I've had interactions. I, I was just telling someone this the other day. I've had interactions with, with salespeople or customer service people if I'm having a problem or, 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 or clerks or whatever, where I've had to stop and say to them, I am trying to give your company money. Why are you putting up an obstacle to that? Why are you making this hard? And, and it's like God said, that. I, I'm waiting. I've got abundant grace for you. I've got mercy beyond compare. I was going to take care of you back here. So you didn't have to flee. You didn't have to lift a finger. You didn't have to do anything until I told you to move. And it was going to be easy for you. I was going to do all the heavy lifting. I was going to do all the work. You're the one who ran off to Egypt. You want to know where I am? Still here. Right where I told you was the safest place to be. Well, that's like, uh, again, that used to remind me of my kid. And I was like, Mom, can you talk to me, please? And I was like, yeah, I'm right here. And I was like, let me see. And she goes, no, Mom, over here. And then she walks away. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm right here. Just, just give it to me. Why are you doing that? I said, yes. Because she was get, because God gave her to you to teach you how silly you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because she went way off somewhere else. And then she fussed at me. And right. Me to, and I like, said, I'm still here. I I'm, was right here. I said, yes, I will help you. I can help you right I'll be here. ready whenever you're ready. You come back. But at the, And now at the sound of your cry, it isn't. Where's God in all this? Why isn't God taking care of it? Where, where, you tell me where God is. I'm angry. I'm angry at God because he says he'll take care of us and he's not doing it. It's, it's the God, I need you. Okay, I'm going to do this your way. Okay. Yeah, I have messed this up. I have created chaos. Could you stand in the midst of it and bring some order? As soon as he hears it, he answers you story of the prodigal son when he saw him in a distance he ran to him god is absolutely undignified by our earthly standards god's love is so boundless he could care less he says i will run to you i will pluck you up and move you to where you i will rescue you I will save you from the depths of the ocean. I will pull you from the snares of the enemy. I will stand with you in the fire. He is undignified. Because real love is undignified. Real love doesn't care what the neighbors think. 
Real love doesn't care what somebody's going to say. Real love doesn't care about the criticism of the parenting or the criticism of the wifing or the criticism of the husbanding. Real love does not care what somebody outside says. It doesn't care if they're packing up and heading off to Egypt going, you're going to regret staying. Because real love understands that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. You want to be where God said to be, doing what God said to do when God said to do it. Because unlike everybody telling you, oh, you're going under the law. Oh, you're going to be oppressed. Oh, you're legalistic. You, you realize, oh, no, this is the easiest religion has ever been for me. This is not hard. What was hard was trying to understand all those weird twisted doctrines that you were trying to tell me about why I shouldn't do the things that God said to do or why I should do the things you said were more important to God than the things he said or why um, it really was okay to do this that I kept doing and destroyed my life with. Because when I embraced lawlessness, everything fell apart. And when I embraced church rules, everything was complicated and oppressive. And when I said, you know what, I'm just going to look and see what God says is sin and try to avoid that because maybe he knows better and actually wants good for me, like he says. And I went, oh, yeah, I, I would like people to not spit on me with open wounds. That, that's a good thing. Keep that click. You know, oh. If somebody's animal gets out and hurts me, they should be held responsible for it by the community. That makes sense. Yeah, we'll keep that one. And then I, I couldn't find any to throw out. <laughs> I think our society picks and choose what they want to keep because there are some things where the thing I still see in the society because if the dog does bite you, oh, yeah. the owner is responsible. Because for a certain for extent, it's the great majority of the law was about how to live in community with other people and not be a jerk of a neighbor. Right. But those aren't the type of things people right. think about when they right. say you're under the law. Cause you know what they know. think of? I want to eat pork. That's what they think yeah. of. That's the only thing they think of. Right. Yeah. Okay. You mix your linen and wool. Go right ahead. I told the guy, like, I was trying to explain, you know, how I. Oh, oh, she she the Bible. And he was like, so you go around sacrificing animals? Like, well, there's no standing temple, duh. You know? <laughs> and I was like, no. He was like, well, that's a law. Well, yeah. Like, Just That's where you say, well, I'm not a male from the tribe of Levi, so I wasn't worried about it. And, and also, Eric, um, Told someone that they weren't a real Christian because oh they eat pork. Like yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't tell people that. <laughs> I mean, they were trying to tell Eric, you can't tell people what Erica's saying. Well, what? That's why God's laws. I told him he needs to look it up in Leviticus and she yeah. had the exact verse and there. everything. And she said, here's where God said, don't eat. Because she's very literal. Yeah. Because Erica, no, you don't. Well, there's. She's like, here's the verse you can look up and read for yourself. Well, because she's because she's thinking like, Christian oh, meaning follower of Christ, and he says, if you love me, you keep my. That, that's how this one thinks. What? That's how his brain works. He's like, well, that's what it says. But see, when we were going through and looking at the at the different tribes, and when I when I read, and it was so really powerful, realizing that that. The reason Levi and, and Simeon lost their blessings after they went and, and killed um, the prince of Shechem after Dinah married him was because it wasn't that it wasn't that technically he had been deserving of death. It wasn't, I, I don't believe after having studied it out that it was rape the way our culture understands rape where a man forces himself on it. It wasn't like the rape of Tamar. Right. But it was an out of order, inappropriate sexual union, which was not okay, which when, when the Prince of Shechem found out, he went, I had no idea. You didn't tell me. I, if I'd have known, I would have done it. And she didn't oh, tell him either. She didn't tell him. She wanted... Right, she didn't tell him. 
She didn't tell him. And so Jacob was like, clearly he loves her. They got their whole town to convert. I'm going to extend grace here. What Simeon and Levi did was they were unable to extend grace because they held to such a strict interpretation of the law that there was no room for anyone who made mistakes or slips or did something so egregious. And they thought basically what they did was judge Jacob's choice as unlawful and ungodly. And they set about trying to fix what their father had done. And that is why Jacob did not bless them. They dishonored him terribly. They did it and they killed and they waited till the men were recovering from the. I mean, this is a prince who loved this woman enough to convince his whole town to convert and be circumcised. And they waited till the third day when they were at their weakest in their healing and went in and slaughtered him. And yet, it was the same thing they were that the Levites were willing to do with the golden calf. Mm-hmm. It was the same exact thing, only that time they weren't dishonoring their father. Because when they said, Who, who's willing to step up and take care of this? The Levites are all, yeah, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Because that is not okay. Mm-hmm. And they went through and killed 3,000 of them. And then God, uh, because because of what was happening there, the reason that, Prior to that, the oldest son was supposed to go and offer the the sacrifices for the family. Because it was the men who did that, you know, quote unquote, dancing around the calf. And the 3,000 had to die. And God said, you know what? I can't leave it to the common person to handle these sacrifices correctly. They're not learning. They're not willing. So he gave it to the Levites. Why? Because the Levites would stick to the details. They would know. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. Therefore, if this happens, should have done that. Which is why he's able to tell them, if if a family member dies while you're in here, you need to wait to mourn until this is done. If this happens, you need to respond this way. You know, when if your own kids burst into flame because they're offering strange incense on my altar, well, they should have known better. And Aaron was able to go, yep, they should have. I taught them. Not because they're cold, not because they're callous, but because that task. I think they had said that was okay. That the, the details of the sacrifice were so specific and God knew he could entrust it to them that they would pay attention to the detail. So that story of Dinah was like an example of you operating outside of, of your own purpose. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I've really come to believe that all of our strengths, when they are put to work for the kingdom in the proper place and in the proper way and with the proper focus, they're amazing. And yet all of our strengths have counterbalancing weaknesses. Okay? If you are someone who holds yourself to a very high standard of holiness, that is awesome. If you then try to hold everybody else in the world to that standard of of, of holiness, that is not awesome. (laughs) That will not go well for you. Um, it's kind of like how I feel when I when I listen to different speakers or, or read different books by different authors about how if you want to have a, a great Christian walk, you need to do what I do. You need to get up every day three hours early and pray. Never mind that I have the gift of intercessory prayer and you don't. Yeah. Never mind that your gifts might have you up all night taking care of people. You know, if your if your gift is acts of service and your gift is is hospitality in a way that you welcome people into your home in the middle of the night or you run out to help the woman who's just had a child at two in the morning and someone else tries to hold you to a standard that you will also get up three hours early and pray, that is oppressive. 
Now, if somebody writes a book and says, if you have the gift of intercessory prayer like me, let me share what I've done so that you can learn from it, that's great. But a general, if you all would do this, God would move. Hey, over in Egypt, you know. <laughs> Don't send me to Egypt to do something because you think I should do it when I need to be over here with God doing like what he told me to do. Cut a religion for everybody to walk the same thing, but I think the only thing that there should be cookie cutter like that would be repentance. Right. Yeah, we all need to repent. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Tanya? Are you sure? Okay. Um, so he's waiting. He hasn't moved. We have. He doesn't want to punish us. We do. He doesn't want us to have lack. We lost it on our flea. You know, when we, when we, when we fled. I'm like, flea, flew, flew. <laughs> when we fled. <laughs> when we flewed out of there. Um, <laughs> and yet, as soon as he hears it, he answers you. When you cry out to him. When you say, yeah, I did it again. I got involved and made a bunch of chaos. Help. He stands in the midst of it and brings order. Because that's what he does. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes shall see your teacher. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. So he's not hiding himself. Your eyes shall see him. And your ears shall hear a word behind you. Saying, Go left, go right. This is the right way. And that's that's what I was trying to capture in the paraphrasing of the Lord's Prayer there. This is the way. Go this way. Go that way. And I think that's what's being referenced when it's talking about lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, meaning please guide our steps. Please tell us when to go to the left or to the right. I mean, are you calling? Huh? Are you losing balance? I was too far over when I turned around. Yeah. I just stepped wrong. Okay. Then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold-plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, be gone. And he will give rain for the seed with which you sow the ground and bread, the produce of the ground, which will be rich and plenteous. In that day, your livestock will graze in large pastures. And the oxen and the donkeys that work the ground will eat seasoned fodder, which has been winnowed with shovel and fork. And, an ever ev and on every lofty mountain and every high hill, there will be brooks running with water in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. I suspect that, and let me go look, let me look that up in here, because I suspect. And on every lofty mountain? Uh, it's every, well, every, every high. Every high hill. Every high hill. Lofty is higher than, the mountains are higher than the hills, so lofty is higher than. In the day of the great yeah. Well, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, when the towers fall. Well, they, because they were under siege. They were under siege. They were going to be under siege at this time. That's why they fled. And that's why God's saying to them, "You didn't need to flee. I was going to take care of you, but I'm going to bring you back." Um, but let me. I want to find the. That's what I'm trying to look at. Hold on. Food. Um, he will graze cattle of you. 
and he will be on, on every mountain and every... And he will be on every mountain, on every high mountain, and on every... It's interesting because here they say every high mountain and every lofty hill. Um, and he will be the light of the moon and the light of the... Oh, streams, flows of water, and day of slaughter, great when the towers, or when the, uh, great slaughter when the towers fall. Hang on one second. Let me look up. Let me look something up real quick on the, because I want to see how that is being handled. Um, ba -ba -ba. Okay. Come on, internet. Work for me, please. Might have to look it up on here. I just hate doing. <sighs> so Isaiah 30. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can play the noise for you. It's really intense. Isn't it like a shrieking child? Yeah. Um, okay, let me see here. It's not. Come on. Okay, give me one second. I don't, technology. I love technology, but it is also the bane of my existence sometimes. He he doesn't have to be there till two, honey. Okay. I'm closing out and starting this app over or this. Good Lord, because I can't do it easily on my phone. 30, what is? Great slaughter. Yeah, my phone will not be as helpful as my computer would be if it would work. Um, Uh, shoot. What is the great slaughter? Isaiah 30. Chabad. Dot org. Okay. Let's see if it'll pull up. See if it will work now. Um... Okay, so we've got, with Rashi's commentary, which should have been easy to pull up on my computer, but apparently wasn't, um, we've got 24. Um, let's see. Uh, da, da, da. I'm in Chapter 30, right? And the young yes. oxen and the donkeys. Okay. Um this is the rivers of water on the day of the great slaying. It says when there will be a great slaughter in the land of Assyria. And Jonathan renders on the day of the great slaying when the great ones will fall. So the towers meaning the rulers. Like the great, you know how we've talked about like mountains are symbolic of, of thoughts and, you know, different, different strongholds. So this is saying that um, when Assyria is destroyed... And their leaders fall. So he's saying, you know, all these things will happen when that when that happens. 
Um, so moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. And I suspect this is, has very different different meaning um, if you live in Alaska and you actually experience the, the six months of sun, you know, where you're going, wow, that's bright. When, in the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger and in thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury and his tongue is like a devouring fire. So people read this and they go, God's scary. To which I respond, that's what the Israelites said when they stood at the foot of the mountain, that they were supposed to go up and meet with him because he said, I invite you into my presence, come and meet with me. And they said, he's scary. Hey, Moses, how about you go up and you bring us the rules we're supposed to live by and we'll, we'll promise to do them. So how you view God, how you see God to a certain extent reveals your relationship with him. Are you Assyria? Well, then you're going to have God coming at you from afar, burning with anger, lips full of fury, and tongue like a devouring fire. And if that's how you view God, you will want to not be close to him. So if you get saved because you're afraid of that, and you continue to view him that way, you will not get close to him. You will look for a religious community that gives you a bunch of rules to live by so you don't piss off the angry God. And it might be a community that gives you the laws that Moses gave. And you might think, yes, these are God's laws. But if your context of your relationship is, I better do these so I don't piss off the angry God you will not find the joy and the rest in doing those things. You will be doing legalism. You will be trying to appease the angry God by doing the right thing. Well, yeah, when that's, when that's the context of the relationship, yeah. But then they end up doing whatever they want to do later on. Right. Which is why I never wanted that context of relationship with my kids. No, I wanted them to experience, uh, going back a couple pages. Right, right. This, this is, I wanted my children to see me waiting to be gracious to them. Oh, you're going to go do that thing? I'll be here. I'll be here when you learn from it. Now, having taught them and explained to them and reasoned together with them so that I know that they know, but at a certain point, there are things with my children I've had to go, I know they know this, but clearly they don't understand it. Perhaps this is something they cannot understand by my explanation and teaching because there were things I had to go learn the hard way. So grace allows other people to learn the hard way when they need to and waits for them and is ready to jump in the second they cry out. It doesn't, because I'll tell you, if you follow them, nagging at them the whole time, they'll just run faster and farther. So you know, we, to a certain extent, and, and yet it is, again, because of our understanding, but we either see God one way or the other, and how we see him will determine the context of our experience with him. So he says, his breath is like an overflowing steam that reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of destruction and to place on the jaws of the people a bridle that leads astray. So, do you want to be part of the nations that are being sifted, or do you want to attach to Israel who gets to see God, have God waiting 
to give them grace. And yet over and over and over and over, Israel was running off to Egypt or running off to here or running off to there or signing an allegiance with this person or making a pact with that person, looking to the nations for their help. He says, you shall have a song as in the night when a holy feast is kept and gladness of heart as when one sets out to the sound of the flute to go to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. And the rock is Yeshua. And the Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard and the descending blow of his arm to be seen in furious anger and a flame of devouring fire with a cloudburst and storm and hailstones. The Assyrians will be terror-stricken at the voice of the Lord when he strikes with his rod, meaning his authority to do so. And every stroke of the appointed staff that the Lord lays on them will be to the sound of tambourines and lyres. Battling with brandished, it makes me think of, uh, of, of uh, Jericho where all they had to do was praise God and blow the shofar and the walls came down. Battling with brandished arm, he will fight with them. For a burning place has long been prepared. Indeed, for the king it is made ready. Its pyre made deep and wide with fire and wood in abundance. And this, this isn't, you know, some people read this and go, see, he's talking about hell. No, no, he's talking about a destroying fire that's going to kill him. And, and, you know, it's pyre made deep and wide with fire and wood in abundance. The breath of the Lord, like a steam of sulfur, kindles it. So with the whole idea with the breath of, of the Lord, like a steam of sulfur, if, I don't know if you've ever been near a volcano. Um, do what? <laughs> no, I was just trying to assess the crowd. Oh, I know. There's a mama. You be quick when you hear the cry afar no, off. Not that um but i we had the i had the opportunity as a young person when we lived in hawaii we actually went on a tour of kilauea crater a year before it erupted we didn't know it was going to erupt a year later but it was it was rumbly and the tumbly underneath it and we were like whoa but the smell of sulfur Oh, it smells like rotten. Well, rotten eggs smell like sulfur. <laughs> so imagine standing and like it was, we, we couldn't stand still for too long because our shoes would start to melt because the heat underneath. So we had to keep moving to keep our shoes from, from melting to the ground. And we could feel the lava moving underneath like water. And it smelled like sulfur. It's vile. Well, yeah, not in those amounts. Yeah. Everything's good. Everything's generally, everything's good for you in some amount. Mm. Fluoride. Well, fluoride is if it's natural. Yeah, if it's natural. Not if it's the byproduct yeah, of... Uh, I remember Pi and my mom laughed so hard because I used to have this toothpaste and they hadn't seen it before and then I, we were on a trip and they're like, oh my gosh. And my toothpaste, the name of it was just fluoride. It was a oh, white container with the cap. like. And it it might have just been pure fluoride. It was all white, and it wow. just said big capital black wow. fluoride. Wow. Generic fluoride. And my mom was laughing so hard. Look at, look at Isaiah 14 stuck hey, on the end of this, too. I was just mom, thinking. Mom, I was like, I wonder if it's up again. I don't know. I am not even kidding you. I got rid Let's of everything. I have compassion on Jacob. It's like a constant reminder as we go through Isaiah, no matter what happens. Sojourners will join them and attach themselves to the house of Jacob. And the peoples will take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel will possess them in the Lord's land as male and female slaves. Take captive those who are their captors and rule over those who oppress them. So I guess we're supposed to be really meditating on that. Apparently, <coughs> every week, maybe we're <coughs> there. Must be something we need to get into us. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's another. Oh no, we're back to one through three. Okay. So, if you're gonna, that we're back to the beginning of thirty. That's I'm saying, wait, thirty-one. That's what it does when you. I guess, yeah. Wow, it's doing some stuff. It is. So, 
No. Yeah. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. And I'll stop the recording.